Welcome to Witch Yes, a podcast for casual conjurings, witches in training, and the $3 brawlets keeping this whole show together. I'm Alicia Herter. And I'm Tara Keck. And I'm just wearing a normal bra, keeping this whole show together. I'm not wearing a bra. What? I barely have boobs. (laughs) (laughs) On today's episode, the Long Island Medium, witches in the news, and a spell for riches. Riches? Money. Honey. Bunny. how to say Long Island in Long Island accent. Long Islandese. How do you say it? Lawn, like you mow a lawn. Mm-hmm. And then Guy Land. Long Island. Do you say the G? You say the G, but like Guy, like a gentleman. Guy Land. Oh. Long Island. Long Island. How do you say medium? I want to put an R in there somewhere. It's like shitty. Medium. Cockney. Medium. Medium. I'm a medium. I don't think there's an R in there. I feel like they put R's everywhere. There's no R in Long Island. Learn Gurland. <laughs> Baby, how are you? Dude, I'm doing well. How are you? You're the one with the birthday. I was born. Oh. Last week. Allegedly. Some say. Legends say. On a night just like tonight. <laughs> the lore. Mm-hmm. Myth building, myth building. That's what most of this episode is about. Lore and myth building. That's absolutely true. Yeah, what are you doing for your birthday? What's the plan? What's the 411? Well, I'm working on my birthday. Oh, excellent. At the other art fair. Mm-hmm. So I have a little handkerchief that says, it's my birthday. So I'm going to wear that and That's hopefully cute. guilt a bunch of people into coming. Um, do you want to see it? And buying art from you? Yeah, it's exciting. It says, it's my birthday. That's cute. Isn't that adorable? Wear it like this. It's my birthday. I'm from the old country. But yeah, so November is hard. With your birthday? Just because like November, there's so many birthdays. There's so many things happening. I also feel like October, November, like the art world always has like 10 million things. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's because like they're trying to like hype up this kind of early Christmas present energy. But there's like... 10 million gallery openings like my friends I have like eight friends that have openings the weekend of my birthday and then I was like okay next weekend I'll do something then there's the beginning of the the Sagittarius birthday start to happen and then the weekend after that is Thanksgiving and then the weekend after that it's like is it even your birthday anymore no that's all to say I'm gonna go get my aura read like I do every year from the same Chinese woman at magic jewelry that I go to every year Wait, is that gonna? Is your aura gonna change? Does it change from year to year? Yeah, it does. So your your aura is supposed to change like, like in two week periods, and so oh, like depending on your mood. Yeah. Well, so there's like your overall aura as a human being, and then your aura that magic jewelry reads, which is a fortune telling. So like your left side of your body is the past, and the right side of your body is the future, and so they read your aura and tell you like what's coming up, and if like you know, a lot of it has to do with health and stuff like that. They always tell me to drink more water. I never do, but uh, yeah. You gotta drink water. Also, I don't believe you. You're like the only person who posts about drinking water. Is it just a show? Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I didn't sleep well. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a fun- being very direct and aggressive today. <laughs> To just a show, and you're like, yeah, I drink water all the time. Just drink water all the time. I really don't understand it. You drink so much water that doctors have told you to drink less water. I understand. It's just, it tastes so good. I yeah. love the taste of water. And your skin is gorgeous. Thank you. The water. Eyes bright. Water. Hits perfect. Crying. Water. 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 What is it? Uh, <laughs> politics. Liberal. Water. Water. Unproblematic. Water. <laughs> That's what Mitch McConnell should just fucking drink. Have a glass of goddamn water, sir. Everyone should have water, especially on the East Coast. Shit will fuck you up over there. The like humidity. Shit in general? No, just the humidity, like the weather, I'm thinking. I feel like the weather oh, yeah. would impact how much water you need to drink over there. Oh, yeah, 100%. Probably out here too in the desert. But I feel like it's just not as bad. Like you feel it on your skin so much more, just the up and down mm-hmm. of the East Coast. Mm-hmm. It just impacts I feel you. It- in my makeup, I feel it in like mm-hmm. my concealer. Yeah, I feel it a lot in my lips. Just the dryness. Well, they're just so kissable. I hit... no, yeah. Whenever I go to Texas, I'm like, my lips are bleeding. <laughs> Chapstick, mm-hmm. person's best friend. Chapstick. And you know what else is excellent? That we only have three more Patreon episodes before we hit number one hundred. That's insane. That Benjamin. That oh Benjamin. yeah. We should do like a little Benjamin photo shoot. I don't have any Benjamins, so I don't know how we're doing that. Monopoly money on me. You can have Benjamins (laughs) on you. So that's 100, nearly 100 extra episodes a month for just what, Alicia, how much? Five doll hairs. You come to me, email me a tracking number for the five doll hairs that you are going to send me, and then I'll give you a code. Okay, but we want high quality doll hairs. Oh, okay, yeah. not I don't want your her. average Barbie. You got to give us some American girl kind of shit. I want the good doll hairs. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to know that your grandma spent money on this. I want you to know that your grandma thought it was investing in your future to get you a boxed. No, you can't touch this. It's up on the shelf. American girl doll. Absolutely. So yeah, last week we talked about a witch and bitch in which someone I know got... You know, into a psychic con artist situation. You can hear it all on Patreon. And next week, we're going to talk about Tibetan singing bowls. Who are they? What are they singing? Are they Tibetan? Oh. Oh, big question. Big question. What are they singing? What's their karaoke song? Is it Landslide? We'll find out. By the chicks. It's always Landslide. I'm Obviously, Tara has an obsession with Landslide by the chicks. Do you want to know my theory about Landslide by the Chicks? You have a whole theory? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, it's the voice of it. a generation. <laughs> That's the theory. Kanye West thought it was him, but no. That's true. It was. What a sad fucking song. However, also has so much hope in it. And I think yeah. it is exceptionally queer. I also think is it is exceptionally femme. And it is relevant to basically anyone who has ever had a journal. Just most healed people. And anyone who's ever survived a landslide. That landslide brought me down. I, mine goes for all the people who took that song literally. And have experienced trauma. This, and are just trying to get by. Just trying to rebuild their home. This whole time, Alicia thought the song Landslide was literally about a natural disaster. Oh, mirror in the sky. What is love? Their fucking mirror just went shooting across due to this landslide fucking fuck 
<laughs> can she handle the seasons of her life? No, she's no, dead from the landslide. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's Patreon. Go to our show notes. All right. Let's start. Let's begin. <laughs> but we're talking about the Long Island. Long Island. I was trying to remember how to say it. It's a Long Island. The Long Island medium. Correct. Correct. So I've like heard of this woman. What is your relationship before this episode to the Long Island medium? Before this episode, all I knew was it was a TV show. And really, that's it. I had never seen it until this episode. Now I've seen one episode. I am totally sold. Great episode. I cried. Mm -hmm. Emotional. And that was really it. And she's got a very like... um. I don't know if that is the Long Island look, but I would definitely call it like the old school Jersey look. Yes, I do feel a lot of times that Long Island is like the I invested in Apple on the ground floor of Jersey City. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not Jersey. It's like Plainfield. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, further out. Further out. Definitely further out. So the Long Island medium is the stage name for the bombshell blonde with a bump it for the gods, Teresa Caputo. And it's not Caputo. Her family specifically pronounces it Caputo. Puto. Caputo. Caputo. I'm just going to call her Teresa. Right off the bat, let's do a Patreon question. Teresa has a net worth of $2 million. Hey, that's more than me. And she became a member of the pop culture zeitgeist in 2011 with her show, The Long Island Medium, which went on for 14 seasons. The show takes place in Hicksville, New York, out on Long Island, which is barely an hour from where I am sitting right now. You should go. I should go find her. I know what her house looks like. I wonder, like, Hicks, it must be a last name, right? I just can't imagine living in a city called Hicksville. Oh, we're going to talk about Hicksville and where it comes from. Okay, well, great. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to sit back down. If you've never watched the show, which I absolutely did not until I found out we were doing this episode, the layout is pretty formulaic. So the show opens with Teresa coming in with the world's most powerful Long Island accent, some fucking dummy thick acrylics, and hair so tall you know it's full of secrets. You do know. It's full of spirit secrets. It's full of spirit. It's just ghosts. And she doesn't know if she can do this right now. <laughs> Teresa's family is very much a part of the show. Her husband, Larry, who she divorces at the end of her like 14th season or something like that, which I feel really bad about because... There's so many episodes about their love that mm -hmm. are so moving. I really, I fully believe that they loved each other. And then her two kids, little Larry and Victoria, who she says, Larry and Victoria. <laughs> That's too much. She also has two dogs who Teresa claims are also mediums. Oh, good. It runs in the family. From the show, you get the sense that Teresa's kids love her. Like, that's their mom. But they barely tolerate her psychic shenanigans. That's kids, though. These kids are wild in these days. Oh, yeah. The 2011? Mm-hmm. Fuck my mom. No, I love her. I'm sorry. Did you see the, the most recent episode of the Kardashians? It had Northwest mm -hmm. and Kim. North <gasps> oh, is yes. eating, literally, like an apple. She's eating a raw onion. Yes. And the producers are like, what do you think about what your mom does? And North's just like, what does she do? Like, the fucking disrespect in that household. Your mom's trying to be a lawyer. Your mom's a billionaire. Doesn't even care. Your mom care. deals with a lot. Doesn't even care. Apparently they're like, oh, we love going over to our dad's house because he'll cook with us. And Kim's like, you're just like making ramen. That's like not cooking. What Crazy. did she say? She says, North is here to teach me patience. Yes. 
which I believe that that kid's going to be everywhere in like an awful way. She's going to be like the biggest party girl. It's going to be so funny. I honestly, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. It'll be amazing. In your episode of The Long Island Medium, there'll be a couple scenes of Teresa going to the grocery store or the deli or the meat market where suddenly she's going to sense the presence of, quote, spirit. Mm. And then she's going to need to tell someone about their dead mom. So bad. And her kids are like, can you fucking not? It's my recital. (laughs) Then there's usually like a big event that's teased the whole show. This can be a group reading because like you can hire Teresa to like come to your house like like a Tupperware or Pew Romance party or it's like her daughter's graduation or a family trip. So there's usually like this overarching thing that you're looking forward to and then Teresa having like mini interactions around her town. Mm -hmm. Between these scenes are lots of images of clouds. Time lapses of clouds. Images of clouds covering the sun. And watching the show, like if you're like an empathetic person, you're probably gonna cry. I cried. Like you're watching these people fucking sob on what was once national television and what is now HBO Max. In the first fucking episode, Baby Witches, there is a woman, and I'm talking the first episode of the whole show, there is a woman trying to connect with her situationship who was murdered in cold fucking blood before he had a chance to ask her to marry him. And I'm going to get more into like this whole, like Teresa loves to talk to people who have murdered loved ones, but it's heartbreaking because she's just like sobbing in front of you. And she's like, I don't know if it's okay that I've fallen in love again and I need him to know that I haven't forgotten him. And then you're just there in your PJs. Like, it's a crazy situation. Like, there's a lot of dead babies. Like, a lot. Dude, what a good episode. Like, first episode coming out strong. Oh, absolutely. A murder? Excellent. I kind of think, like, if you cry at those videos of babies, like, hearing their mother's voices for the first time or veterans being reunited with their dogs, you're probably going to cry at this show. (laughs) Don't cry right now, baby. I know it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Just so funny. (laughs) Veterans being reunited with their dogs. Have you ever? No, I I cry. I cry. (laughs) But it's absurd. So Teresa has a couple catchphrases. One in particular that she likes to use is the word validating. So Teresa, to Teresa, a spirit, quote, validating means a spirit is coming forward or has some kind of message. So a common sentence she'll say is, your mother is coming forward or stepping forward and validating that she is at peace. Or like a deceased mom and dad are validating that they are in the afterlife together. Another phrase she likes to use a lot is, I don't know if I can do this right now. Or I'm freaking out. Like she normally says this before approaching someone in public and it's very theatrical. It's like very TV. Like it's peak television. She's bringing the energy. I love that. She's like, this is the moment and the moment is now. And I am. The moment. (laughs) So then the show's over. Pretty much straightforward. So who is Teresa? Who is she? Who is she? Teresa Bergani was born June 10th, 1967 in Hicksville, New York. So she is 100% born, bred, and boinked in the town she works in. Crazy. She hasn't given us a birth time, which is fine. I'm not mad. I'm a little mad. But it means that we have a limited amount of information regarding her birth chart. So here's what we know. 
our girl is a Gemini. Mm -hmm. Just like Amy Schumer and Jeffrey Dahmer. But one thing I'm very interested in is Teresa's Chiron placement. So remember, Chiron is the wounded healer. It's where our core wounding lives and our greatest opportunity for healing. Teresa's is in Pisces. So it's like a core wounding of your relationship with the spirit world, reality, and boundaries. Mm. This can manifest in a lot of ways. You have poor boundaries. You're very bad at boundaries with you, everyone around you. And you feel like you're not allowed to maintain them. You can feel like the universe has forsaken you or reality is out of your control. Like it's not just like my community, my family. It's like the whole universe. Yeah. Including the stars, the sun, and the Holy Ghost. Which all of this absolutely communicates to me like reality, TV, spirit, medium. Right? So she chose the right path. 100%. Another interesting placement is her Mars and Gemini, which just feels like a breath of fresh air on an out-of-control open flame. (laughs) Air signs in Mars, it's like big energy all at once in all directions. And because it's in Gemini, that says to me, talking, talking, talking. Gemini is communication, but it's also information. So like using information to get shit done, which is very helpful if maybe you're cold reading a guy at the deli, right? So Mars in fire signs would also give me like big, big energy, but with direction, right? Like Mm -hmm. Mars in Aries or Leo is like full steam ahead, but like I know where I'm headed. Mars in air signs is more like directionless or amorphous. Ooh, okay. And then the final placement I want to mention is Teresa's Saturn, which is also in Pisces. So much Pisces. Which means she's about to go through her second Saturn return. Oh, man. Watch out, girl. Here it is. That's not good. Run. (sighs) Start running. Yeah. So Teresa's born in Hicksville, which is just like this little bedroom community for New York City. It sits right on the Long Island Railroad. It actually only exists because the guy who would go on to be the president of the Long Island Railroad bought a piece of land here. His name? Valentine Hicks. I love the name Valentine. Isn't it cute for a boy? That's very cute. Call him Val. Oh, Val. Very cute. Outside of that, Teresa has done an amazing job for like a reality TV host of keeping her early life off of the internet, which means she gets to build a myth all around herself. Teresa is pretty firm that her origins as a medium started later in life, but she does say in season three that when she was younger, growing up in Hicksville, She lived right by the Gregory Museum, which used to be a jail, and that she would have these visions of a man every night walking outside of the jail. This, quote, hobo, which she refers to him as, would chant the sentence, we're looking for Teresa Bergani, which she claims was spirit reaching out to her as a child. She also claims that she believes her powers are a gift from God, though she'll go on to perform many Many, many, many caricatures of indigenous American spiritual customs. (laughs) However, she is very Presbyterian. Mm -hmm. Teresa says that she didn't discover she was a medium until she went to a spiritual healer, Pat Longan, for her anxiety in what I think is about the year like 2002, 2003. Like that's just me doing like backwards math based off of what she said in in previous episodes. Big Larry, her husband at the time, claimed that Teresa experienced so much anxiety that he couldn't drive in the car with her, could not go in an elevator with her, and would be woken up every night in the middle of the night with her screaming. Aw, that's sad. Which, it's kind of interesting. If you think of like 2011 on, 
like the term anxiety and panic attack was just like kind of like we were just kind of becoming awakened to modern mental health language. Mm -hmm. So like having the Long Island medium be like, I have anxiety and I have panic attacks. Like that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Does she talk about it on the show? Do you know? Constantly. 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 Wow. I've watched seven seasons. Oh. A 14. You're like halfway there. I'm basically there. I did a little bit of skipping. After season three, I was like, okay, I'll only watch half of a season. And sometimes she does like these FAQs at the end of seasons. Also, then I watched all of the Christmas episodes. Okay. (laughs) Tis the season. So she visits this spiritual healer at the behest of her mom, who was like, therapy's not working. The drugs I'm giving you aren't working. Like you maybe need to go get right with some sort of higher power. She goes to Pat, and then she realizes that after visiting the spiritual healer, Teresa says that she realized that so much of her anxiety was her body physically reacting to spirits that she had cut off from her conscious mind. And that since she has recognized that, she's growing out of control, Mm. like her psychic powers. Wow. Teresa says that she's so porous to the effects of spirits that she can't be alone in public That when she goes out to eat, she has to have her back to the wall or else she'll become surrounded by spirits, quote, like a tornado. And she really can't stop. Like, that's something that she talks about all the time is like, she's like, I can't can't help myself. Yeah. I can't can't not do it. There's no off button. Like, this woman is all Gemini and Pisces. Like, I believe her when she tells me that she does not have an off button. And also, if you're taking what she says to be truth that she is a real medium new england's got a lot of dead people Mm -hmm, they would be mm -hmm. everywhere everywhere absolutely like more dead people than anywhere else in the u.s Teresa says that she believes that her gifts are hereditary because she thinks that her daughter has them she doesn't claim to know if her parents or her sibling michael have like at least in the seasons that i've watched her father there's like a whole episode about her dad he's just a very long island father he doesn't dislike it that she's a medium he's just kind of like give that shit away from me Mm. (laughs) i don't want to look at it i don't want to see it i don't want to hear about it is it like wig him out is it just like the dead people thing he hates it Mm. he like he's it freaks him out he she takes him to a group reading and he makes it through the whole thing he's like visibly uncomfortable yeah the whole time well i mean that's kind of good you should make white men uncomfortable every once in a while yeah it's your god-given american right yeah so what is a session like with Teresa? and alicia's gonna get into how like she actually does it in a minute but let's talk about it from like your perspective as a client the layout of her readings are also very formulaic first things first she's gonna cleanse the space with white sage and eagle feather which is just big oof energy (laughs) in 2011 though they didn't know we didn't know we didn't know we We forgot about native americans she begins each session with like this little speech where she tells you her intentions which are to quote validate remember validate that the sitter's departed loved ones are okay and at peace okay she's like here's my job i'm here to tell you everything's fine don't worry about it that's it no telling you where the gold is no winning lottery numbers Teresa says that she is not psychic She's not psychic. She can't tell the future. She's a medium. She's basically a flip phone for the dead. She says that the spirits take away all of her emotions and her thoughts and use her like a puppet, which is weird because she cries a lot (laughs) during the sessions and she laughs a lot. Like she's kind of puts on this like this jokey joke guy. Yay, it's me, Teresa Caputo. She's a performer. Absolutely. She should have been on Broadway. Then she starts her tape recorder. Once the tape recorder has started, she starts scribbling. 
on a little like yellow legal pad, very automatic writing, and start saying things like, oh, a young male spirit is coming forward. Like very Helen Duncan style, it's upon the sitter to identify the spirit. Then, baby witches, regardless of gender or nationality of the spirit that Teresa Caputo is supposedly channeling, the spirit then becomes a fucking Guido. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, it's Long Island. It's Long Island. What you want from me? They're all Guidos. It's a bing, bang, boom. <laughs> And I think, Alicia, maybe you have thoughts on this, but I think, at least in the early episodes, it's kind of a bit of a bet because when she starts on TV, Teresa's only clients are fellow Long Islanders who, like, all have a cousin Donnie or a Nani Maria, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Like, it feels very strategic. Yeah. Very much after the success of Jersey Shore, too. Maybe it's like what audiences expect of people living over there as well. Very interesting. Oh, so smart. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's like she's not only building upon like her local circuit. She's also like, okay, what else is popular mm-hmm. on like reality TV? And oh, that's a big one. Teresa has all of these like personal symbols outside of her like Guido impressions. For example, she tells clients that a spirit is snapping their fingers as a symbol that their passing was quick. Not that they're about to break out into song. Yeah, that they're like, and a five, six, seven, eight. And then sachet ball change. So if a spirit or a sitter changes in size, that means that a spirit has been passed for some time. Okay. If the spirit salutes, that means that the spirit served their country. And Teresa is very patriotic. She loves the troops. Long Island. If a spirit is showing her the image of whispering of the ear, that means that the sitter did not get a chance to say goodbye. And then, um, strangely, the image of the horse is a symbol for New Jersey. Huh. I don't know what that means. And I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I like, I've never seen a single horse in New Jersey. I mean, there must be horses. Must there? I hope not. But I would assume. <laughs> in my country, in my community. Ooh. Scary. So Teresa has her big laugh. She's boisterous. She's jokey with a listen, listen. You knows what he's saying to me. Mm-hmm. Knows what he says to me. He says, my little girl. And she has like this kind of like, she's got this big, powerful Italian American energy. And when she gets serious, like Nona Maria wants to validate that she is sorry she can't be there for you and that she loves you. She finishes her sentence with something that I think is so insidious and so smart. She says, Do you know what I'm saying to you? With this tone that is so very much like the middle school principal that you want to like you, Mm -hmm. however you're so scared of. Because when I watch her do it to people who are like crying, right? They're crying. And it just gives this like, tell mommy, tell teacher that you understand me. Because the first thing that people say back to Teresa is yes. And there's something psychological. Like it's absolutely 100% like a power dynamic that she's playing and it's fucking brilliant. It's so smart. So the final thing I want to mention about Teresa's layout from the sitter's perspective is that when she does readings for clients who are trying to contact people that have been murdered, remember we mentioned that first episode, like these people that have opened investigations, who Mm -hmm. murdered my brother, who murdered my situationship, if it makes it onto the show, Teresa tells them to stop looking. So she does this at least twice in season one and in fact does it in the first episode. The first client is a woman trying to contact her murdered boyfriend. And while this woman doesn't say on camera, I want to know who killed him, Teresa tells her point blank, 
He wants you to stop looking. Move on with your life. Move on with your life. But also, don't solve my murder. Mm -hmm. She does it again in the first season when a brother and sister who are looking for justice for their murdered brother. It's always, he wants you to be at peace and stop trying to solve this murder. Which, like, feels weird. Like, maybe we can have, like, just, like, a really quick open discussion about it of, like, stop trying. I think it goes beyond move on. Mm -hmm. And it feels icky to me I don't know if it feels icky to you to be like stop looking for my killer I think personally it makes sense that that's what she would say I'm sure there's like a certain level of obsession about trying to find someone's murder where it's like if someone had died they would probably be like don't look for me anymore like it's over you know don't worry about it live your own life move on Mm -hmm. but what would be more helpful is oh it was this guy and he's at this address like Go get them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't feel too icky to me. Whether they, you know, take that advice or not is totally on them. But I think there is like some real advice in saying, yo, they're dead. Like you got to live your own life. You got to stop being so wrapped up in this. But you watch more murder stuff. So you get into, you're obsessed with the murder. I do want to solve all of the murder. Uh, no, I think that's really valid. There is something to say for like, my death is taking over your life Mm -hmm. and like it is even worse for people that kind of have like these senseless or like unresolved endings I think like the place where it felt icky to me is like like someone murdered that guy yeah and that person should be brought to justice if you murder somebody you should be brought to justice it's like I don't know I'm just like I'm not like a crime and punishment like blue lives matter kind of girly at all but like I just feel like yeah like that guy should be like brought a lot of times it seems to me this is of course I've only watched seven seasons (laughs) hey more than me it has almost exclusively been black men Mm. that have been murdered and there's on Long Island not a lot of them it took them so many years to catch the Long Island serial killer was it the Gilgo Beach murder that Alicia and I were just talking about like can you imagine a mysterious miscellaneous black man yeah being murdered we should all be talking about him I yeah. don't know that's just me then I also say like stop looking like uh it could be related to stuff that's like larger than you like New York City and Long Island has a huge mafia like presence like has a lot of organized crime so I don't know I don't know when I proposed you know sort of posited this question to Mike he said Teresa's doing the killings she's a secret serial killer and I said well that was what I was thinking it sounds like she's in on it oh you mean the Caputo that's why her hair's so big crime circuit from all the blood yeah her and Big Larry? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Anyway, that's not even the craziest thing Teresa has said, nor the craziest place she has done readings. Yeah, her opening statement in the show, like intro, is wherever I go, spirits come to me. And she means it when it comes to the show. So where have we gone? She's been preparing meals at the food bank. She's been buying a coffee at the cafe. Near slot machines at the casino. We're running around town. By the meat section at the grocery store while getting a cleaning at the dentist, which I didn't see that episode. That sounds hysterical. I hope she literally has shit in her mouth and she's like, is your grandma dead? Yeah. (laughs) She was like, she was like, do you have a dead mother? Did your mother die? (laughs) During a morning workout at the gym, which is entirely too early. No one wants to be dealing with that. During an afternoon mani-pedi by the dryers at the salon and then in a post-op surgery room. She's all over the place. Wherever the cameras will let TLC go, she's in there having a moment. 
It's pretty wild. And the critical reception of the show actually wasn't too bad. And I have to say, like, this is a perfect show for TLC. People speaking about loss of the ones they loved. And to Teresa's credit, her mediumship seems to be an in and out type of business, probably due to it being on TV where you really don't want to see repeat customers all the time, because then we might be like, hey, we're not interested in the storyline anymore. But since we're not seeing the same people, it feels less predatory than just out in the wild, like going to a medium or the psychic con artist that we talk about. Teresa also seems to leave her clients better than how she found them. But the show is also very heavily edited. So I don't know if her clients get mad. I'm sure we're not seeing that. But it does seem like most of the time they're very touched that she was able to sense anything at all. And they just kind of take this validation and run with it. And so the answer to the critical reception is it's kind of a mix. And Teresa actually has kept her closets clean of any skeleton. So there's really no big controversies that have come from the show, surprisingly, because you would think they'd be all over the place. And there are always like negative skeptic reactions because, you know, it's mediumship. It's the occult. But this girl, she got her TV show. She got her money. She got 14 seasons and she got out. That's a modern woman entrepreneur right there. Yeah, to be honest, like, she, I don't feel like she fell into the same hole of, like, the Sylvia Brown, like, the working with the police, like, mm -hmm. I feel like, for the most part, she has been like, this is my lane. And I think that's very smart. In those episodes where it is an open investigation, is it like she's submitting it to police or anything, or it's just purely... Absolutely not. Okay. It's individuals. And yeah. also, as far as I understand it, again, I've only watched a select amount of seasons. Like She's watched half of it. That's a lot. She doesn't do those kind of readings mm -hmm. or deliver that kind of information to large audiences. Like, I guess she is on a TV show, TV show, so she is a part of a large audience, but, like, she isn't, like, Hey, everybody look at this person's dead brother. I'm going to tell all of you she should stop looking for the murderer, right? Yeah. Like, that's not the energy. And it's also good she's not going to police stations. It is like, I know who murdered this person. Because mm -hmm. that's a lot. And TLC would not deal with that. We're say yes to the dress and Long Island medium. Like, we're not trying to do anything crazy over here at TLC. There's only one episode I've watched so far where she has reached out to a client. And I, that woman was already in her, like, appointment book. Mm. So, like, as far as I understand it, there's no, like, outside of, like, these sort of pure romance parties, there's no outreach. Allegedly. Allegedly. Because <laughs> she does find everyone. But it's also, you know, you probably throw a rock out there. Someone knows someone in their life who has died. I know. So many people have died. <laughs> Alicia knows so many people that have died. People be dying left and right. People be dying out here. It's pretty wild. So how could she be doing these readings? And there are many skeptics in general, but of course they come to light with the magnitude of a TV show about psychic mediumship. That's when everyone crawls out of their cave and posts on the internet about how much they don't believe someone is if you throw it on TV. And it's their belief that there are many ways for Teresa to be communicating with the dead, including the Barnum Forer. I think it's Forer. F-O-R-E-R. Forer. Ferrero Rocher. I was going to make the same joke. God damn it. But also known as you the Barnum effect. So we're going to call it the Barnum effect. 
This is a common psychological phenomenon where people give high accuracy ratings to descriptions of their personality that are supposedly tailored specifically to them, which are in fact vague and general enough to apply to a wide audience. So with skeptics in mind, this is like horoscopes. You think the traits of your zodiac sign actually matches your personality, yet these traits are vague and could be applied to a lot of people, except for Tara and I, because we are so clearly Scorpios, it hurts. Oh my God. What else would we be? I literally had someone in Dallas, I was talking to them about my art, and they were like, I'm mm-hmm. trying to guess your sun sign without being too obvious. And I was like- You're like, be obvious. Be obvious. And she was like, you're absolutely a sun and ascendant Scorpio. And I was like- I'm not trying to be anybody else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Teresa could also be implementing what's called cold reading. Cold reading is analyzing the person's body language, age, clothing, hairstyle, gender, sexual orientation, religion, like everything, you guys, ethnicity, level of education, manner of speech, place of origin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, during a line of questioning. And cold readings commonly employ high probability guesses, quickly picking up on signals as to whether their guesses are in the right direction or not, and then emphasizing and reinforcing chance connections and quickly moving on from missed guesses. So this is basically what I do when I'm networking. You go, you just kind of like try to create the person in your mind. But I think within two questions you probably have an understanding if this person went to college or not depending on what they wear like that could tell you about their religion if they have like a cross necklace like there are little things people have where you can kind of connect to them faster yeah if they have bangs they're going through a hard time or they're you know in their 30s and want to hide you know their forehead lines worried about aging worried about appearing age that's what i think now with bangs in our age i know i'm rude (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, clothing, clothing's an easy one. Like if you are good at like identifying clothing, just like, is this thrifty? Is it expensive? And just kind of figuring out like where that could lead them monetarily as well, like financially. So there's a lot of ways. Manner of speech. I don't know if I'd be too good at that one. That can definitely help you locate where a person's from. And then you can like make guesses about that. But it's all very interesting. I love that though. I would love to take a class on cold reading. Yes. My friend Sam back in undergrad was always like, people tell you everything about their personalities from the shoes they wear. Only. Just the shoes. I've heard that. I've heard that in the art world. Like, you can tell who has money. You can tell who's, like, serious about collecting based on the shoes that they wear. It's crazy. Should I buy new shoes? You should always buy new shoes. Buy expensive shoes. I like don't have a lot of shoes, but should I get some? You should always get shoes. Should we get shoes? Should I get shoes too? I mean, it is our birthday. (laughs) It is our birthdays. Yeah, we should get shoes. I have one more question, which is, do you think, you know how Gen Z hates millennials? I don't know if they do. No, I have a, I have a very strong. You have it on good authority. I have on good authority as a woman that does TikToks and does stick on pimple patches that Gen Z, the boomerification of Gen Z hates millennials do you think that bangs will become cringy because early millennial women who cannot afford botox will get bangs like do you think bangs will become chuggy which is also a millennial term i think it depends on the type of bangs elaborate i think there's already a kind of bang that's like chuggy but if you can like really style it if you have like the two kind of down that aren't like total bangs like i think just mixing it up if it's just kind of like bang bangs curtain bangs curtain bangs yeah if you're doing full blockade iron curtain bangs but then if you do regular curtain bangs you're fine yeah 
I've been thinking about getting bangs. Just get Botox. So much easier than bangs. No, I know. And I know exactly where to get it. They have stores in Manhattan. No, I want to go to New Jersey because it's cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, you should. For sure. And then, you know, you can use Botox. But other tactics for the show are selective editing and her subjects, you know, very big eagerness to believe in the supernatural. I watched one episode where they were basically at some kind of mediumship party and it was just this whole room and she came in and she was like this spirit this spirit and like connected it to two people but everyone in this room was already open enough to it to be in this room even the grandmama who didn't really believe in it but was open enough to even go to the room and like see and then of course she ended up getting called out and in a, in a good way, like, oh, I, this is your husband. He's fine. You know, something like that. But they've allowed themselves already to be in a position where they're open to hearing about it. But it's also like, if you're not going to be open to hearing about it, how are you going to ever hear from your dead husband? And if you're never going to be open to it about it, how are you ever going to get on TV? Yeah. <laughs> get discovered? Uh, Golden I Bachelor. <laughs> there are other ways to get on TV now. <laughs> In 2012, the James Randi Educational Foundation, which is a grant-making institution founded by magician and skeptic James Randi, because, of course, they love being both magicians and skeptics at the same time. Like, I can show you the fun, but also I'll show you who not to believe. It's kind of like, get off your dick, you know? Like, chill the fuck out. (laughs) It's just kind of, it's like, oh, okay. Okay, Harry Houdini fucking suck my dick. Exactly. But anyways... The foundation awarded Teresa its Pegasus Award instead of Pegasus, you know, doing the little the little jabs wording wise for being the psychic performer who fooled the greatest number of people with the least effort in the preceding year. A Pegasus Award was also given to TLC for continuing to air the show, which I would like to mention. It takes a lot of work to put on a TV show. I think there was a lot of effort involved, even if it was yeah. to fool and scam people. I think a lot of effort went into this, more than your normal psychic medium. Have you seen those fucking confessionals? That woman has amazing makeup. No. What are the confessionals? No, when she does like the little confessionals versus like her in in her early series, her confessionals, her makeup is immaculate. They did fucking <laughs> Teresa Caputo fucking, they did her fucking dirty in these like kind of like live react like I'm going to the meat counter situations. Yeah. Where I'm like, how fucking dare you light her like that? Oh man, they were trying to make Top it natural. down like you're in Mad Men. No, it's, it's beyond natural. It's like, it's like. You're like, I want supernatural. <laughs> I want. I want this woman to feel like she is the fucking, the ghost of Christmas past. The psychic queen of TV. It's fucking mean. I hate that. Just have have us all look beautiful. Yeah. Ring lights everywhere. We already know it. Yeah. It's so true. And then in a 2019 segment of Last Week Tonight with host John Oliver, John Oliver criticized the show by saying, when psychic abilities are presented as authentic and emboldens a vast underworld of unscrupulous vultures, more than happy to make more money by offering an open line to the afterlife, as well as many other bullshit services, which I meant to read that in a British accent. Can we go back? (laughs) I don't know if I could do it. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. I feel like I need a touchstone. Wait, psychic. Oh, there you go. Cockney. No, 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 no. No, come on, come on, come on. No, I don't think I can do it. Authentic and bold dance. A vast underworld in it. Unscrupulous. I'm trying to think of like Pride and Prejudice. Oh, she's Miss oh, the Dossie. Wait, wait, wait. More, more, uh, Kira Knightley. Give me that underbite. The underbite. 
Does she have an under? She doesn't have an underbite. Yes, she absolutely has an underbite. Shakish abilities. Shakish abilities present an authentic. Oh, you sound like you should be on like Downton Abbey or something. Casey, I'm doing this. Yeah. Hold my hands in such a way. I'm potent. Fast underworld of scrupulous finches. Yeah, I don't think I can do. Let's see. When psychic abilities, oh, I'm doing Hermione, are presented as authentic, it emboldens a vast underworld of unscrupulous vultures, more than happy to make money by offering an open line to the afterlife, as well as many other bullshit services. Something like that. It felt very Hermione Granger to me. She punches a blonde man in the face. Wingardium Leviosa. (laughs) But Teresa, when asked about the skeptics, you know, she keeps it pretty clean and classy. She says, I respect and understand skeptics. I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. That's not why I do what I do. I feel and have been told by my clients that my gift has really helped them. And that's all that matters to me. Like fucking roasted, John Oliver. I don't know what to tell you. I'm also like, J-boy, there's better things. There's better <laughs> things. There are other hills to die on besides this one. So I just want to end this segment. With the question, mm-hmm. is Teresa Caputo a good witch or bad witch? On a scale of like Helen Duncan to Helena Blavatsky, where are we at? So I'm going to present to you some evidence. Mm-hmm. Exhibit A, Teresa claims that she has never changed her prices. So most clients can expect to spend anywhere from 75 to 175 per session. And all of that money from individual channeling sessions goes to charities like Meals on Wheels. There's no way all of that money does. All of it? She says all of the money from individual channeling sessions goes to charities. Good for her. She doesn't say all of her money from TLC (laughs) goes to charities. (laughs) She's saying all my side money. There was even even like an article that was like, okay, so the Duggards who were also part of that like 12 and counting or whatever like TV show, Mm -hmm. they got paid $1,200 per episode. How much is she worth? Anyway, so in 2012, she was exposed by investigator Mark Edwards from Insider Edition who found that venues and ticket-selling websites share information with performers regarding purchases made on their websites. So names, emails, phone numbers, Mm -hmm. right? Shared with their performers. In an era where so many people are trying to make it to that 10,000 followers so they can start monetizing their Instagrams, we have a lot of information on our social media about us. If you know someone that died, like that shit is all over Facebook. Like that shit is all over Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, right? Like you're making your tributes every year. Hmm. Mark Edwards even relayed an account which says, quote, at one point, Teresa asked a woman, why am I picking up on baby clothes? To which the woman replied, oh, that's weird. I just put a bunch of pictures of baby clothes on my Facebook page, Mm. like in a live reading. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. And she has a whole team, too, for the TV show who can be looking into this stuff beforehand, like very quickly beforehand. Teresa is liberal with her use of non-white cultural practices. Like she talks about white sage. She talks about like eagle feathers. She claims to do monthly drum circles where she cleanses her chakras. Okay. But regardless of authenticity, Teresa has helped people confront and accept the passing of their loved ones. So if I can like go on a tangent for a minute. Absolutely. My dad and I, fan of the podcast. Love him. Papa Keck. Recently talked about a man that he works with who is really into crystals. And this guy, he'll spend thousands of dollars on these huge fucking rocks. 
okay, that he'll display in his home. Big displays of them with lighting and shit in his house. Oh, fancy. And he believes, this man that he works with, believes that these crystals have healing properties. And so this is what my dad said. My dad was like, every one of us has currency of some kind. So whether that's like actual money or like time or like service. And where we place that currency says a lot about our values. But those values are ours. Like we own those values. And no one else can touch those values. And investing in those values rewards us. It pleases us. Brings us like more value, right? Mm -hmm. So Crystal Guy, he places value in these huge crystals and investing in that value brings him joy brings him pleasure and people who go to psychic mediums place value in what their connection to other people living or dead Mm -hmm. their belief that their loved ones are gone but like that they're actually somewhere else like they're not like snuffed out like a candle in a victorian household (laughs) and that what that there's like method to the madness like there's some kind of afterlife Mm -hmm. and investing and reaffirming that value is no different than flowers at a gravestone the collection plate in church or like buying yourself another house plant when you already have a bunch of zz plants are already dying right like (laughs) i like that you called yourself out of this but i mean you know we're trying to be vulnerable on the pod so let's say You go to Teresa Mm -hmm. and nothing happens. Like you don't feel like it gave you any value, right? Like you, nothing happened for you. Nothing changed for you. How many times have you tried something that you realized afterwards wasn't for you? Like didn't make you better? Like what? Like my dad like constantly talks about how much he loves acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And my husband, who has the same name and the same disposition. By God. hates acupuncture like we'll go off we'll like give a full presentation about how much he hates it like what okay alicia mentioned earlier i love those like true crime serial killer documentaries you know how many people like think i'm a fucking monster for that like how many times have i bitched about how jealous i am of alicia and mallory who had fleets of angels and i go to salem get my psychic reading and i'm just supposed to be a scientist like what is happening here like i just feel like no you just had to like open the valley of your heart or whatever it was there's a valley you had to go through you had to go through the mountain you gotta like talk the the wagon and float you gotta just (laughs) push through open your heart up exactly exactly Mm -hmm. so i think that this metaphor of like what you give value to says a lot about you but what you gain back is like something that people can't judge you on like everything has value everything has currency everything has a place in this world and whether or not you gain value back from it and continue to invest in that value like everybody gets to have it just because it's not like the chicago bears just because it's not like my failing oakley stock like (laughs) i don't know what do you think where are we at is she a good witch or a bad witch i would say she leans more towards good As of now, you know, we can see whatever skeletons come out of the closet later, you know, but it does seem that she's doing this to help people. And whether it's it's a grift and she just happens to be really, really good at it. I think for the majority of people, you're leaving them with a positive experience or they feel like they're resolving some of their own issues. I think that's good work because people don't really talk about death or someone dies and you're, you know. You know, they're mourning for like a week and then, you know, they have to go back to work and just continue on with their life. And society thinks it's weird to ever bring it up again. Mm -hmm. So I think 
it gives people like a safe space to be like, because it also confronts their own fears of like dying. Like, I don't know what's going to happen after death. So, so much of like wanting to know if grandmama is okay is also kind of connected with your own fear of like, I don't know what happens. Like, did I fuck up? Are they okay? What is this? Mm -hmm. And I think if Teresa can come in and be like, shh, my little baby, it's okay. They're fine. Your feelings are validated. They're validated. It's like, you know, I like that it's the word validated. It's kind of like I hear your concerns and you don't need to be concerned about that. How many times have you like felt like you, like whenever you lose someone, there is, like you said, like this kind of mourning period. Mm -hmm. And any kind of mourning or unpacking that like goes beyond that, like people don't want to fucking hear about it. And like a lot of these people mm -hmm. come to Teresa years after these people have passed. I think that it's it's an amazing avenue to explore and I guess like use her words, validate like this feeling that like loss continues forever. You're mm -hmm. constantly losing. Yeah. Even if you've already like accepted, even if you've already like come to terms with like that ache is forever. Mm -hmm. Or even if you've hit the like, okay, yes, you've been sad, but you need to like move on with your life. That doesn't mean you just like, shut it out, forget, never think about it again, never wonder about it again. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely see that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I have my own unique community that I surround myself with. But I can imagine for a lot of other people, it's like if you're hit with like grief like that, some people are like, yeah, but you do need to like move on and like pull yourself back together, get back out into the world, do your own thing. And then you feel like you can't bring up those conversations again, even if it's just like a passing thought. It's such a like, if you're reading the room, I mean, who wants to talk about my dead dad? That's not necessarily the conversation you bring into a, a room mm -hmm. or feel like you can talk about. So I think it's good that they have an outlet. And yeah, I think you're totally right. Like grief lasts forever. It doesn't go away. It lasts forever. And that these people can at least feel maybe just a little calmer or a little more like not even satisfied, but relieved by having one passing conversation, which honestly doesn't sound like she's giving you a lot, but maybe that's all you needed just to be a little bit more comfortable with yourself and your own mortality and like that grief that has, you know, kind of happened to you. It's interesting. I think it is a great loss that we do not have like shepherds for grief and loss that are outside of spirituality mm -hmm. and I think that we hit a, a lot in our Grim Reaper episode about how like at least in western culture we do not want to look at death yeah we have not acclimated to talking about death in a comfortable way mm -hmm. and I've been Alicia and Mallory fucking recommended this book to me called Spooked Mm -hmm. that's about the afterlife and I started chapter I think I got to chapter two and it's been sitting in my started but not finished audible account for a year and a half did it spook you I'm so uncomfortable yeah I'm so uncomfortable even hearing about it like the thought that if I can be quite vulnerable mm -hmm. I think about you dying a lot <laughs> oh and how I'm supposed to deal with that yeah to the point where I have to tell myself that I'm gonna die first <laughs> literally 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 being very vulnerable and real no I believe you I have to be like 
You better yeah, tell yourself definitely. that because I got plans. I'm going to hit 100. I've got some goals <laughs> up in here. Okay. And so it's just like, how do you even, she's like, I'm, I'm going to be around for I a bit. It. I'm ready to attend everyone else's funeral. Popcorn in hand. I'll be like another one down. I'm going to the top, baby. I'm going to the top. She's getting all those snacks. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's getting all that gas. I'm taking some of these flowers to go. <laughs> she's like, I can use this for later. I'll be like, oh, I like your watch. How nice would it be to have some way to have this? Um, there are shepherds for so many seasons of our life, but there are no shepherds for death mm-hmm. that are outside of spirituality. And then we fucking make fun of people and call them fucking sheeple whenever they seek those shepherds within spirituality. I don't know. Yeah. Like, am I crazy? What does it matter? What does it matter if she's a caputo? <laughs> what if it matters if you're crazy? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. Because someday the sun will engulf the earth and the landslide bring me down. <laughs> and because the landslide can't bring me down, that means it's time for... Which is in the news. Oh, but how blessed. So our first topic is Winnie the Witch restored in time for Halloween. So speaking of Long Island, we have another <laughs> very famous person from Long Island in today's Witches in the News. And that is Winnie the Witch. Are you thinking Hocus Pocus? Because that is wrong. Okay, it's only getting worse. So Winnie <laughs> actually isn't a person, but she is a witch. Winnie is a 35 foot tall horrifying wooden roadside attraction in St. James. She is a witch and literally she is so ridiculous looking that it completely changed how I'm presenting this information to you. I had no idea. Please scroll down. Oh my God. Ah! <laughs> Alicia hit it on a second page. What am I looking at? It didn't even say what she's made out of. Like you guys just need to Google it, honestly. Winnie the Witch, St. James. She looks like, who is, like, the blue eagle in the Muppets? So, like, remember Muppets Christmas Carol? <laughs> yeah. Who is that? Who is that? I don't know. If he is wearing, I remember him. So he's the blue eagle from the Muppets. If that eagle had a mother. That is some kind of, like, Muppets bastard we're looking at right now. My lord. Since her construction in 1977, Winnie the Witch was an icon at the now-closed Wicks Farms and Garden. She's received many write-ups on travel and nostalgia websites and news coverage for decades, especially around Halloween because, duh, she's a witch. But she's in St. James all year round, probably because she's 35 fucking feet tall and there's no easy way to dismantle her and build her up every year. They were like, we did this once, she's got to stay. We're not taking this down. But since Winnie has been around for like 46 years, the world has not been kind to her. This bitch is falling apart. And I mean, she has lived through some blizzards, Hurricane Sandy, and just the general shitstorm that is New York weather. So it's, you know, we were talking about skin earlier. Mm, This is some skin. (laughs) She's beloved. Even mean. Hurricane Sandy, this poor woman. I know. She's beloved in the community, so they all rallied together, created a GoFundMe campaign for this troubled witch, and raised $15,000 to get this bitch some plastic surgery just in time for this year's Halloween. 
which if y'all know plastic surgery, $15,000, not getting you too much, but we'll see how it works out for this 35 foot tall witch. St. James revealed the new Winnie the witch on Halloween. And I have to say, it's like Winnie got a different body, but definitely like boob implants. Like, hold on, let me scroll down. She's got some perky girls on her chest right now. <laughs> like, they look like balloons. And she kind of just looks more like she's made out of some balloon duct tape material. I don't think they made her better, which maybe that's no. not the point. Maybe the point was to like not make her better, but like restore her to that. I don't know. To just how ridiculous she looked already. <laughs> but this leads us at which, yes, to conclude that beauty truly must be in the eye of the beholder. Because I do not fucking see it. I feel like she went from the mother of that fucking blue eagle in Muppets to fucking Beaker. <laughs> she does look more like Beaker. It's like drag queen Beaker. Yes. Zooming in. Does she have a soul patch? Like, what is on her chin? Oh, I don't know. She screams. She is well endowed. Speaking of $3 bralettes that keep this show together. I think she definitely got a nose job. The nose does yeah. look different to me. I've never been more aware of a woman without eyebrows. All right, our next topic. Illinois woman accuses neighbors of witchcraft. So we're jumping over to the Midwest, where a woman from Illinois was arrested in August after she allegedly accused her neighbors of practicing witchcraft and lit a fire at their front door using rubbing alcohol, which I would never think to do. Rubbing alcohol, yeah, oh my god. 38-year-old Kimberly S. Brown was charged with residential arson, the rubbing alcohol, and aggravated battery of a police officer from this incident. So it kind of spirals real fast. On August 4th, police officers responded to a neighbor dispute where Brown had been beating on her neighbor's front door, accusing them of witchcraft and trying to get inside. It didn't say, like, why she thought they were witches. Like, none of that. So, for all we know, she just started pounding on the door, <laughs> accusing them of being witches, which, that's a lot of energy that I would not handle well. Sounds messy. So when that failed, she set a fire on their doorstep with the rubbing alcohol. By the time the officers arrived... Brown had already returned to her home. When the officers tried to speak with her, she refused to open the door because, you know, you need that search warrant. But when they did finally get inside and tried to arrest her, she slapped one of the officers on the face. Boom. Which is iconic, to be fair. But she did admit to the officers that she set the fire and wanted to kill all the witches. So that's a, a statement of guilt right there. Not great. This is pretty much where the story ends, but it did mention that Brown decided to represent herself in court, which is also a big yikes. Uh, we've watched enough TV to know that that works on TV and not in real life. And she was still in prison when this article was published. So for nearly like two full weeks, at least, I couldn't find anything that said if she were still in jail or not. But I did find out she was arrested one other time for an act of failure to appear for an arrest warrant for traffic offenses. So you got to make sure you pay your parking tickets. By that, I mean, I got to pay my parking ticket. <laughs> Can't get arrested. It was like $24,000 worth of like traffic tickets or something, which I'm like, that adds up fast. $1,000. That's not how much mine costs. So it's okay. Yeah. I hope she's either in rehab or in a hospital because it sounds like she's ill. Yeah, it does. Very sad. And our last story, Massachusetts and witchcraft. 
Back in 1648, a midwife named Margaret Jones became the first person in Massachusetts to be executed for witchcraft. And Margaret was the second person to be executed in all of New England, and this was decades before the Salem Witch Trials. Now, nearly four centuries later, a group in Massachusetts wants to clear the name of Margaret and all convicted witches. This group of historians of witchcraft descendants is called the Massachusetts Witch Hunt Justice Project, which is a title that is very long, and they want the state to reckon with its actions in the 16 and 1700s. Currently, the group is collecting signatures for a petition, but they hope to take their case to the state house. And so right now, this is a developing story, but the Massachusetts Witch Hunt Justice Project was very inspired by the resolution and apology that was offered to the victims of witchcraft in Connecticut this past year. So they went to clear the name of all the witches in Massachusetts, not just the one from the Salem Witch Trial. So New England's on a thing right now, because I think uh-huh, we were hearing uh-huh. some stuff from New Hampshire. I read something that said someone was trying something in Rhode Island. So New England's like, we got to clear all these names. There is something in the air over there. It's probably the beautiful, crisp autumn air <laughs> that makes people seek justice. <laughs> and that has been Witches in the News. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. So, so welcome. I am so thankful to be in uh, the transatlantic New England vibe Mm -hmm. sector where all of this healing growth is happening. I know. It's good with all the spooky ghosts. If we could just get to Scotland, take that energy, put it in a bottle, send it to Scotland. Send it back to Scotland? Have them just like get their fucking shit together. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. They're working on it. And you know what else I'm working on? What are we working on? Oh, this money? How are we going to manifest some money, dude? Uh, baby, I, I made some promises at the beginning of this episode. You and I both did. Which is, uh, the today's spell is, once again, from Mystic Primrose. Work. She's on Instagram. She's mystical. I'm thankful. And we love it. And we love it. And I... Excellent marketing. So this is a spell that you need to place at the entrance of your home to welcome in wealth. Amazing. That you will then send to Alicia and I because we don't have any of this. <laughs> We're struggling. Alicia's working on her resume. It's traumatic. So it here's what you're going to need. A tiny jar that is so small and so cute. Rice to attract money. Dried mint for prosperity. A bay leaf. A pen. A green candle. Money candle. A money candle. Cinnamon sticks for abundance, something to turn the candle on with, and then your emotional security glass of water in case you really need to turn this candle off. And then, of course, something to cleanse this little jar with. First off, cleanse and ground yourself. Take those patented, which, yes, three deep breaths. He hoo, he hoo, he hoo. Light your green candle with intention, and that intention is money. <laughs> money, money, money. Help me, please. Help. Help. Believe me. Cleanse your tiny jar with an incense of some kind. And then while the smoke is settling in your jar, add your rice and your dried mint. Then you're going to take your bay leaf. On your bay leaf, you're going to write down how much money you need. How much money do you need, Alicia? All of it. What's the world got? The the fucking GDP of Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Write that. Write that down. Then you're going to light that bay leaf. Don't let it. Burn out of control. What you want is a smolder. You're going to light your bee leaf. Then, as it smolders, put it in the jar. Okay? This is what happens when you put a big old flame in a glass jar. It explodes. I've had it happen before. It's very scary. Okay? So just a smoldering leaf. Put it in your jar. 
tamp down your nearly disintegrated bay leaf with a cinnamon stick. Not just cinnamon. Cinnamon stick. And then... <laughs> it's got to be in stick form. Or it doesn't work. If it's in powder form, it can ignite. <laughs> Pop on the lid of your jar and seal it with the green candle wax. And finally, place it somewhere at the front of your home to welcome in abundance and prosperity. Not somewhere someone's going to step away. Far away from the general public, but high enough, close enough to the front door. And that is a spell by Mystic Primrose. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mystic Primrose. Just trying to make all those manifestations happen. I think that's next year. 2024, I think I'm going to go balls to the wall and be like, success and fame. That's, <laughs> here's the new goals. Let's fucking, yes. let's stop making little goals. Let's make the big goals. Oh, yeah. I'm success, fame, and power. I want to be a monster. <laughs> a monster. <laughs> We're going to talk about our uh, New Year's resolutions in the next episode, and I'm looking forward to gems. To what? Gems. Oh, gems. Yes. I thought you said jets, and I was like, oh, wow, your New Year's resolutions are going better than mine, I guess. Also jets. I'm looking forward to uh, passports from multiple countries. Excited. I love this. You know what else I love? All the people we need to thank. People that work on this show. I love that. We would like to thank our producer, Marcel Perez, our creative director, Mallory Jordan, and Kevin McLeod. Thank you for the music every time, Kevin. We love the music. And we love you. Even if you don't know who we are. You know who else I'd love to know? Who? Listeners that review our podcast. So I'd really like to thank everyone who's written an Apple podcast review or subscribe to our channels on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mike's friend, who we are... In competition with, he just ended his podcast. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So we don't have that much farther to go. <laughs> Baby witches. <laughs> Baby witches, we can finally, finally gain the respect that we deserve. Wow. So. so five stars for endurance, five stars for resilience, five stars for survival. These are all our buzzwords right now. In the life of Survivor, <laughs> we are winning. So head over to Apple Podcasts. Give me that immunity idol. Give us five stars. Please write something. It costs you nothing to write this Apple Podcast review. And it means everything to me. Who has a fucking death wish? Just in general. If you want to find me, Alicia, I'm on Instagram at Alicia period herder. If you want to find Tara and all of her lovely art. It's over at her lovely face. What I'm trying to do also, I'm also in another competition. I'm trying to make it to more subscribers by my birthday, which just comes out after my birthday, so I don't know, but I'll let you know <laughs> by the next episode. But I'm trying to make it to more subscribers than my arch rival, Nisha Panjani. I need like 200 more. So could you do that? Baby witches, could you do that for me? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The podcast is on Instagram at witchyes. Share an episode in your stories, tag us, and we'll feature you on our stories. And always keep us up to date on like what your witchy happenings are. We always love to know. We also have a bop-in Discord server that you can join by clicking on the show notes. And if you don't like the socials, you can always contact us via email at witchespodcast at gmail.com. And maybe witches, I just want to say that Leisha and I are about to enter our holiday break. So you're not going to get episodes pretty soon for like the next month or so. So you know who's also going to get episodes? You know who's not going to miss a thing? Our Patreon. $5 Patreon, which is an above, are getting two extra episodes a month. They're not going to miss a fucking beat. $10 and above get access to our close friends list and more. Plus, they get access to early shit, like early access to merch, 
early access to what our episodes are about. A bunch of our questions today, a bunch of our like research today was created by what our Patreon witches wanted to know. So head over to our show notes and join the Patreon. I love it. And we're almost to number 100. Oh my God. Fucking that's so crazy. Should we do something cute and special? We should. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, but we can talk about it. And I guess because Alicia and I are going to talk about it. That means this has been Witch. Witch. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. This is Halloween. It's 15 days since Halloween. This is Tara This is Tara